All right, are we ready, y'all? Testing, testing. Okay. Two, three. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart prepare Him room. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and heaven and nature sing. Joy to the earth, the Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ. While fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plains repeat the sounding joy. Repeat the sounding joy. Repeat, repeat the sounding joy. Stop it there. Oh, but I wanted to listen. I thought you were just walking around. <laughs> well, listen on the on this one. Is that okay? I don't think we need to really practice that one very much. Yeah. Joy, if you guys joy, this, this is mine. That's your note. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Perfect pitch, Michael. <laughs> I just went up half step. <laughs> yes. Actually, we sang this a few weeks ago, and I was like, I need to rewatch Lord of the Rings. So I did. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> This is my Father's world, and to my listening ears, all nature sings and round me rings the music of the spheres. This is my Father's world. I rest me in the thought of rocks and trees, of skies and seas. His hand the wonders wrought. This is my Father's world. Oh, let me ne'er forget. Seems off so strong, God is the ruler yet. This is my Father's world, the battle is not done. Jesus, who died, shall be satisfied. And earth and heaven be one. Yes. As far as the tempo goes? Yeah, I'm intentionally slowing them down, too. Um, maybe bump Nikki a little bit and Corey as well. I can hear Julia and Kyle. I cannot hear the two of them as much. Got him. 
next. <laughs> yeah, yeah, me too. Warming up. <laughs> next. Even though I'm a tenor, I typically pitch songs a little lower. We, uh, oh, yeah, we so have to assemble. <laughs> we, we have to assemble. I mean, we shall. It's not we might. <laughs> we shall. We shall assemble on the mountain. We shall assemble at the throne. With humble hearts into his presence. We bring an offering of song. Glory and honor and dominion unto the Lamb, unto the King. Oh, alleluia, alleluia. We sing the song of the We shall assemble on the mountain. We shall assemble at the throne. With humble hearts into his presence, we bring an offering of song. Glory and honor and dominion unto the song of the redeemed. Nice. It's a little high too. Also help if I don't have this like choking me. That might help. What child is this who lay to rest on Mary's lap is sleeping? Who angels greet with anthems sweet while shepherds watch our keeping? This, this is Christ the King whom shepherds guard sing haste haste to bring him love the babe the son of Mary so bring him incense gold and myrrh come peasant king to own him the king of kings salvation brings let enthrone him. This, this is Christ the King whom shepherds guard and angels sing. Haste, haste to bring him love the babe, the son of Mary. 
first verse was rough. Second oh, verse was a lot better. <clears throat> Don't know. What, I'm off. not sure what changed. People remembered the song. We changed. That's possible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whoa. Hark the herald angels sing Glory to the newborn King Peace on earth and mercy mild God and sinners reconciled Joyful all ye nations rise Join the triumph of the skies With angelic hosts proclaim Christ is born in Bethlehem Hark the herald angels sing Glory to the newborn King One more Christ by highest heaven Lord, late in time, behold him come, offspring of the virgin's womb. Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity, pleased men with men to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. unison part in the chorus. Sounds cool. Hopefully you know this one. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. Jesus loves me, he who died, heaven's gate to open wide. He will wash away my sin, let his little child come in. Yes, Jesus loves me, yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me, the Bible tells me so. That's probably good. I think there's one more, it is well. Yeah. Let's also, after this, let's go back to Joy to the World one more time, just to get the chorus down. 
I think this is the same, roughly. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, Thou hast taught me to say, it is well. Let's go back to Joy to the World, please. Uh, are we good? Like, do we want to lower that a smidge? No. I mean, I, okay. <laughs> wow. All right. Unless, if, if you want to, but uh, I'm, I'm okay. I'm okay. Obviously... I'm not I mean, singing yeah. that high, so. Yeah. Okay. So. <laughs> Sunday morning already wants to go flat. Don't, don't help. Them. That's, that's sure. true. That's true. Okay. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart prepare Him room and heaven and nature.
I can't tell from up here. Yeah, exactly. Um, could we could we do the last verse and then do it a little faster? Cool. Or like however however fast you plan on doing it for service. No more lessons and sorrows grow. Okay. <clears throat> he rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and wonders of his love and wonders of his love and wonders, wonders of his love. Is that cool? Yeah, that's fine. We just, we, we started on two uh, different keys. <laughs> uh, go, can you go to the next one really fast? Uh, or this, go to This Is My Father's World, please. I'll, I'll start this one at the pace I plan to do. One, two. This is my Father's world, and to my listening ears, all nature sings and round me rings the music of the spheres. This is my Father's world, I rest in the thought. Of rocks and trees, of skies and seas, his hand the wonders Beautiful. That sounds good. Um, let me know when you want to go live, Chris. I'm just going to be scrolling through a few slides. Good job, guys. Yeah, I was gonna say you've got you've got fifteen minutes still. Good morning, everyone. I invite you to come on in, find a seat. Thankful to see you here this morning. Hope you didn't get too uh, wet and soggy last night from all the rain. I slept better for sure listening to the rain, but my backyard is flooded now. Let's, uh, let's sing together as we begin. <clears throat> 
Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart prepare Him room. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and heaven and nature sing. Joy to the earth, the Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ. While fields and floods, rocks, hills and plains, repeat the sounding joy. Repeat the sounding joy. Repeat the sounding joy. Repeat the sounding joy. No more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow, far as the curse is found, far as the curse is found, far as, far as the curse is found. He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of His righteousness and wonders of His love and wonders of His love and wonders, wonders of His love. Good morning, everybody. Hey, we're glad that you're here this morning. And if you're a visitor, we're really glad that you're here this morning. We have an opportunity at the end of our services. We have about a 20-minute break that we take in the back. We'll have some coffee and tea and some uh, refreshments back there. We want to encourage you to stick around and give us a chance to uh, introduce ourselves and get to know you a little bit better. You know, we have an opportunity this morning to worship God. We have an opportunity to lift our voices up and to sing praises, and we have an opportunity uh, to listen to his word taught to us. And I think that we get out of things what we put into things. So I hope that you're prepared this morning to lift your voice and praise to God. And I hope that you've come this morning with a chance of gaining knowledge by listening to his word being spoken. So with that being said, let's have a word of prayer together, and then we'll continue in song. Our Heavenly Father, it is so good to be here this morning. We are glad for this chance to come together. We're, we're excited for this chance. And Father, we hope that we're ready to take advantage, advantage of the opportunity that we have right now to worship you. Father, it is the most important thing that we start our week this way, that we can have a chance to, to sing song and to listen to what's being taught out of your word. Father, we're coming into some special seasons, and we know that uh, it opens a lot of hearts, and so it opens a lot of opportunity because of that, and I hope that we're prepared to take advantage of every opportunity given to us to spread your word and your joy to other people that we come in contact with. Father, we pray for this church and and the many members of this church. We pray for the leadership of this church, and we ask that you be with the eldership that we have and that you help guide their Uh, decision-making and their thought process. 
Father, they have a huge responsibility in uh, guiding this church, and so they need your guidance to help them. So we pray for them and, and their work that they do for us. Father, as we continue in our worship, help us, Father, to focus our minds and our hearts on you this morning. Help us to lift our voices in praise to you. And these things we ask in your son's name. Amen. In Luke 2.10, the angel visits the shepherds to announce the birth of the Messiah. And the angel says, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this morning, we gather together to proclaim that truth. Let's continue in our worship. We shall assemble on the mountain, we shall assemble at the throne, with humble hearts into his presence, we bring an offering of song, glory and honor and dominion, unto the Lamb, unto the King. Oh, alleluia, alleluia. We sing the song of the redeemed. We shall assemble on the mountain. We shall assemble at the throne. With humble hearts into his presence. We bring an offering of song, glory and honor and dominion unto the Lamb, unto the King. Oh, alleluia, alleluia. We sing the song of the redeemed. During this next song, our kids ages 2 through the 4th grade are dismissed to children's worship through these doors and uh, down, down the hall downstairs. And let's stand together as we sing this song. This is my Father's world and to my listening ears. All nature sings and round me rings The music of the spheres This is my Father's world I rest me in the thought Of rocks and trees, of skies and seas His hand the wonders wrong This is my Father's world Oh, let me ne'er forget That though the wrong seems off so strong God is the ruler yet This is my Father's world 
Jesus who died shall be satisfied, and earth and heaven be one. Amen. You can be seated. Our scripture reading today is from Genesis 18, verses 9 through 12, and from the New International Version. Where is your wife, Sarah? They asked him. There in the tent, he said. Then one of them said, surely I will come to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent, which was behind him, and Abraham and Sarah were already very old, and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, After I am worn out and my Lord is old, will I now have this pleasure? May God bless the reading of his word. Good morning. Thank you, John, for sharing our scripture with us today. We've been working our way through uh, a couple of different stories in regards to expected children. And this is a a theme that we're using as we run into our Christmas uh, service in a couple of weeks. I want to encourage you to know a few things that are coming up in regards to how our congregation is approaching Christmas. Uh, You know, in the past, we've always done a a Christmas party, uh, something that has been a part of our congregation's tradition for a number of years now. We, We unfortunately couldn't do it last year. And you've probably seen slides and announcements about doing one this year. And we're going to do a Christmas party this year. Uh, It's going to be next Sunday afternoon, evening. um, And we're encouraging everyone in the congregation, if you know a family that maybe your neighbors, maybe uh, a couple that you've had an opportunity to get to know over a few years, uh, folks with young children, we want you to make a personal invitation to them to join us for that Christmas party. We're going to have Santa Claus here. We're going to be spending some time eating cookies, visiting with one another. Uh, John Germain has been uh, working on Santa's workshop in conjunction with the uh, the jolly fellow himself. Um, And we uh, want to encourage families and children to be here for that. We are not uh, broadcasting it wide, uh, partly because we we don't know what our space accommodations can be, uh, but we want it to be a personal invitation from members of our congregation to their neighbors. And so, you know, I want to encourage you, think through the people that you would want to invite to something like this. We want it to be a thoughtful invitation, uh, something geared towards a specific group of people that you know would be blessed and encouraged by this opportunity. Uh, We're going to spend some time singing together on that uh, Sunday evening. We're going to spend some time fellowshipping with one another. There's going to be cookies. If you haven't signed up to bring cookies and you want to bring cookies, there's a sign-up sheet in the back of the auditorium here, and I'd encourage you to fill that out. But more than anything, we want it to be something that is an encouragement to our community. Uh, And so invite people. Invite the people that you know would be blessed by this. In addition to that, we have something slightly different happening for our class time on the 26th. Now, normally, uh, we try to do our Christmas service the Sunday before Christmas, but we all kind of felt like the 19th was maybe just a little too soon to do a Christmas service. And so we're having our Christmas service on the 26th, and we're going to do a traditional Christmas service. But during our class time, instead of going off to our separate classes, we're going to meet here in the auditorium, and we're going to spend some time 
singing carols to one, uh, with one another, um, singing Christmas hymns as an extended worship time. And so we'll have our fellowship 20, uh, our friend, friendship 20 rather, uh, spend some time visiting with one another, and then we're going to come back into the auditorium and we're just going to sing together for a period of time. This is kind of a koine sort of situation. It's an opportunity for us uh, to maybe refocus as a group and, and encourage one another in our fellowship. Those are our Christmas plans this year. This morning, we are looking at the story of Sarah. Oftentimes, we frame this as the story of Abraham and Isaac, and I think there's a good reason for that. Uh, the, The story of Abraham and Isaac is very resonant with the story of the father and the son as we read about the story of Jesus, as we read about his, his climb to Calvary, as we, we read about the story of Jesus' crucifixion, we can't help but think about the story of Abraham and Isaac. But there's a mother in this story as well. A mother who loves her son very much. A mother who is, is deeply, deeply committed to being the kind of mother that God calls her to be. And as I read through this over the last several weeks, uh, I I realized Sarah is one of those characters that we don't know as much about as maybe we would like to. I think about the moment that she's introduced in Genesis chapter 11, and we're told who she is, we're told who she's the wife of, but we're not told a lot about her personally other than this phrase, now Sarai was barren. She had no child. And for quite a while, that's one of only two pieces of information we really have about her. In fact, the other piece of information we have is a description that uh, Abram offers of Sarai. He says, I know that you are a woman beautiful in appearance. We mentioned this last week that he's very concerned about how that's going to play out with the Egyptian people. And so he has a little bit of a mistruth or a half-truth situation that he plays. Uh, He sends her into Egypt along with him and says, you know, just tell them that you're my sister because I don't want them to kill me since you're such a beautiful woman. So we're essentially told she's barren and she's beautiful. Those are the two things that we're told about her. And we don't get a whole lot of uh, Sarah time in these stories. And so I think it's possible that what we read about her, maybe we, we... we get the wrong image of her because the specific descriptions we get are given kind of underplay her as a full understood person. In fact, the next thing that really describes her, it says, now Sarai, Abram's Abram's wife, had borne him no children. This is Genesis 16, verse 1a. So this is, again, this emphasis. Sarai, Sarah, is barren. It's it's a little bit of a, a repetition, but it's also there to remind us of the situation she's faced in life. And now the people that would read this for the first time would understand what a tremendous burden this had been to her in her life, in her culture, in a time and place where bearing children was the pride of a woman, the thing that that gave her a lot of social credibility. And that she couldn't do this would have been a sorrowful situation for her. And this this is the way that the Bible is trying to frame our understanding of who she is, what she's about, the situations that we're going to find her in. And then, ultimately, her relationship to God and the fulfillment of her bearing a child. I want us to think about Genesis chapter 17, verse 15 through 16. It says here, where God is speaking to Abram, As for Sarai, your wife, You shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her, and moreover, I will give you a son by her. 
I will bless her and she shall become nations. Kings of peoples shall come from her. This is perhaps the thing that we are most familiar with is this name change for Sarai from princess to mother, essentially. These are are, uh, big statements that God makes for her and this idea that she's going to be the mother of nations, that many people will come out of her. This This is a bold proclamation on God's part for a woman who up till this point has very little said about her. Very little of her is fleshed out for us to be able to understand her experience. And and for modern readers, I think that that is a difficulty in approaching and understanding and empathizing with Sarah. We don't have quite as much, although I would say we do still have some of this cultural stigma for barren women. And when God tells Abram, your wife will be the mother of nations, For him, that's a joy. But I don't know if it is for Sarah at this point. See, as we read through the story, we, of course, find that God reaffirms this statement. We come to chapter 18. It says, they said to him, where is Sarah, your wife? And he said, she is in the tent. The Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year. And Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent door behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in years. The way of women had ceased to be with Sarah. And we're being set up here to understand the improbability of the promise that God has made. When we're introduced to Sarah and Abram, they are, by all standards, already advanced in years. They are not spring chickens, so to speak. Most people would have picked up at at the beginning of the story of Abram and said, oh man, this is a guy who's almost to the end of his life. He's accomplished nothing. On our Wednesday night class, we've been going through the book of Genesis, and one of the things I pointed out multiple times is that Abram starts off as a man who has accomplished nothing by the point at which most of the people in his world would have considered themselves established, that they would have had a name made for themselves, that they would have been someone who had maybe tried to exalt themselves in some way. And in fact, Abram is compared often to the kings that he encounters in Scripture who have kingdoms and thrones and many, many people under their care and responsibility. And Abram, already an old man when we're first introduced to him. Old man, I'm sorry, if you're, if you're Abram's age, uh, I apologize. I don't want to label you. But already advanced in years. Doesn't really have a whole lot to his name. And so now, decades later, when God tells Abram once again, I'm going to make you a father. I'm going to make your wife a mother. We're supposed to understand the improbability of all of this. Maybe feel a little bit of empathy for them because they've been hearing this for quite a long time. And oftentimes we read what comes next and we feel a little bit of uh, judgment towards Sarah. 
says, so Sarah laughed to herself, saying, after I am worn out and my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure? And we read that and we think, oh man, Sarah, you're, you're talking about the God of the universe, right? This is the God that spun everything into existence and you're laughing at him? That's our reaction. Many times when we read this, we, we kind of, we downplay Sarah here and we feel as though, how, how could you possibly question God in this? We want to maybe make her feel bad for doubting. But many of us haven't read closely enough the chapter that comes before where it says, after God has revealed to Abram what his plan is, then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said to himself, shall a child be born to a man who is 100 years old? Shall Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? See, we forget. Abraham laughed too. And Abraham doesn't just laugh, like he falls down in laughter. This is, this is a man who is so taken back by God and his promise that he, I, God, this is ridiculous. I cannot believe that you would say this. And there are people that make a defense. They say, well, Abraham's laughter was a laughter of joy at the thought of what God was going to do for him. Sarah's laughter was a scornful laugh at, at God's ridiculousness. They're the exact same word. Both of them have a response that says, God, I just don't even know if I believe it. What you're promising is so beyond my ability to believe could possibly happen. You've got to be joking, right? Also on Wednesday night, we've been studying, and, and as we've gone through Genesis, we arrived uh, this last Wednesday at the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, and specifically the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. And there's this moment where Lot goes to tell his son-in-laws what's about to happen, the, the men who are betrothed to, or his daughters are betrothed to. He goes and he tells them, God is going to destroy the cities. And there's an interesting little phrase that appears in there. It says, up! Get out of this place, for the Lord is about to destroy the city. But he seemed to his sons-in-law to be jesting. Oh, he's making a joke. That's, that's really funny, Lot. God's going to destroy the city. Okay, whatever you say. It's the exact same word as the laughter of Abraham and Sarah. They look at this and they say, this, is, this has got to be a joke. You're being funny now, aren't you? See, Abram, Abram trusts God. But he doesn't trust this particular promise. In fact, he pleads with God. He says, hey, maybe, maybe what you really mean is that you'll bless Ishmael. Right? That's what I want you to do. Look, I, I get that you're saying you're going to give me a son, but it would be great if you would just bless Ishmael because the improbability of what you're promising me is just impossible. It's beyond my ability to grasp. You've got to be kidding. This theme of laughter over the course of these several chapters plays out over and over and over again. And what we see is that oftentimes when God says something is going to happen and it defies our ability to understand, 
we feel a little bit of a need to laugh. God, don't you know how the world works? Come on now. I've lived here a little while. I've been here for for 100 years almost, is what Abram is saying. I've been here 100 years. I know how this stuff plays out. You know, am I going to be a father? Don't be ridiculous. Again, he's speaking to the God that created the heavens and earth. He's been here a while too. And sure enough, in chapter 21, we read, The Lord visited Sarah, as he had said. Some of your translations might say, He remembered Sarah. And the Lord did to Sarah, as he had promised. And Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age, at the time of which God had spoken to him. Abraham called the name of his son, who was born to him, whom Sarah bore him, Isaac. Now, this word Isaac, it's a proper noun, right? But it's the same word as laughter. It's the word that means to find yourself welling up with joy in laughter. To be surprised, caught off guard, overwhelmed with joy that leads to laughter. Over the course of the chapters before, people are laughing at the idea that God is going to do what God has said he's going to do. God, that's ridiculous. You really think this is going to happen? You really think that a man who's 100 years old is going to become a father, that a woman who is 90 years old is going to become a mother? Don't you know the biological improbability of this thing, God? And they fall down laughing or quietly laugh in the tent to themselves or in the face of the destruction of an entire city, multiple cities. They laugh at the ridiculousness of what God has said he's going to do. But then God does what he says he's going to do. And what comes of that is joy, laughter, a different kind of laughter. This time it's God's laughter. Oh, you thought you understood how this was going to work. Let's look back. You know, you, you, thought, you thought I couldn't give you a child through your wife. Well, I did. Isn't it so funny that you thought I was this big? Isn't it hilarious? What really strikes me are, are Sarah's words. Because this is a woman who has suddenly had her entire understanding of how the world works, of who God is, of what God could do for her, completely changed. And uh, I have a fairly liberal translation that I want to share with you. It's It's a paraphrase, I should say, not a liberal translation, a paraphrase of Sarah's words. This is it right here. Perhaps my favorite moment in all of Scripture, Sarah's words to God, and it'll play a couple times up there in the background. If you don't get this, that's okay. It's not for you. It's for someone younger than you. Um, That's all right. Hey, look at us. Who would have thought? (laughs) Not me. These are Sarah's words, essentially. It says, and Sarah said, God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh over me. And she said, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. Who would have thought? Not, Not me. God has surprised me. God has done something I couldn't have possibly imagined would come to pass. 
I think sometimes we hear God's promises as promises for other people. God is powerful in acting in the lives of other people, but not for me. God, I've lived this life long enough. I I know how it works for me. It's really funny that you say you're going to do these great things for me, but I know how it works. You can do miracles for other people, but I'm a hopeless case. (laughs) Don't be ridiculous. I know how this is going to play out. But that's us misunderstanding the God that we serve. A God who desires to bring us joy. A God who desires to bring us laughter. And not not laughter at the ridiculousness of the promise that he's made, but laughter and joy at the promise that has been fulfilled. A heart that wells up that, that the only thing we could possibly do is say, look, now I'm laughing at myself. And she's, she's in on the joke. Look, they're all going to laugh over me. <laughs> and I'm right there with them. How silly I was to have doubted God. How silly I was to think that God couldn't possibly be true in the promise he had offered me. And so this morning, I want us to just think for a moment here about how this relates forward to Mary and Joseph. And the examples that were given here of of two couples who experience a promise from God that is improbable, if not impossible. See, here in the Old Testament, we have a woman who has tried to conceive for years and had absolutely no success in it. She ultimately resorts to alternative means for bearing children for her husband. This is the story of a a woman who has really struggled over and over and over again, who thinks that the world is laughing at her and feels the desire to laugh at herself or at least laugh at the promise that God has offered. And God comes through in the end. And gives her great joy and years to experience the joy of being a mother. And the heartache and the pain and the struggle. And then you have Mary and Joseph, two righteous people who have done everything they can to ensure that there will be no child before they're married. This is not going to happen. And God steps in and he says, hey, I've got news for you. The thing that you thought was so impossible is going to be the thing that brings the greatest joy the world could possibly imagine. And the world's going to say, oh my goodness, that's ridiculous. (laughs) It's it's absurd. There's no way this is going to work out. God says, really? Just watch. And so this morning, maybe you look at Scripture and you read promises that God has made to you, promises to love you, to care for you, to support you, to work towards your salvation, to bring you joy and peace and comfort, to build up in you a well of water that is living, life eternal. And you look at it and you say, God, I know how my life works out. Don't be ridiculous. I want to tell you this morning that God is not too small to do what he's promised he will do for you. Maybe you don't know what the promises of God are, and I'm going to encourage you, go and read your Bible. 
Find those times where God promises his people the things that he promises his people. Read through the New Testament. Read the words that Jesus tells us about sending us a comforter, about working in our hearts, about changing us, about making us a new creation, about forgiving our sin, about having grace for those of us who stumble about giving us eternal life, about coming to reclaim his own, about setting right the things that have been made wrong. And when you find yourself in a moment of despair and you say, God, that's not my story, don't be ridiculous. That might be true for someone else, but not for me. Remember that you're casting yourself in Sarah's role before the promise has been fulfilled. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, you have promised us good things because you are a good God. And we struggle and we wrestle and we sometimes fail to see the beauty of what you have promised us. But God, we pray this morning that you help us to hear the good news. That you are a God who is bigger than the probabilities. A God who is bigger than the impossibilities. A God who is bigger than anything that we might label as ridiculous. And in spite of all of that, all the things that we heap up as reasons why you can't, you show us that you can. In the birth of our Lord, our Savior, Jesus Christ, into this world through a virgin, through a a young woman who is innocent, is evidence of that. That there is nothing impossible for our God. Help us to remember that and confess it on a daily basis through the way that we live, through the way that we love others, through the way that we proclaim the name of Jesus. It's in his most wonderful and holy name that we pray. Amen. We're going to continue our worship this morning. If there are needs that you have of the church, if there are things that we can do to bless and encourage you, I'm going to encourage you to find me at the back of the auditorium or one of our elders. There are some ladies here this morning that would be happy to visit with you as well. Let's stand and sing. What child is this who lay to rest on Mary's lap is sleeping? Whom angels greet with anthems sweet, while shepherds watch are keeping. This, this is Christ the King, whom shepherds guard and angels sing. Haste, haste to bring him, Mother, babe, the Son of Mary. So bring him incense, gold, and myrrh, compass, and keep. The King of kings salvation brings, let loving hearts enthrone him. This, this is Christ the King, whom shepherds guard and angels sing. Haste, haste to bring him Lord the Son of Mary.
Amen. You can be seated. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn King. Peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. Joyful all ye nations rise, join the triumph of the skies. With the angelic host proclaim, Christ is born in Bethlehem. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn King. Christ by highest heaven adored, Christ the everlasting Lord. Late in time, behold him come, offspring of the virgin's womb. Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see, hail incarnate deity, pleased as man with men to dwell. Jesus, our Emmanuel, hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn King. Hail the heaven-born Prince of Peace, hail the Son of Righteousness, Light and light to all he brings, rest with healing in his wings. Mild he lays his glory by, born that man no more may die, born to raise the sons of earth, born to give him second birth. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn King. This next song will be uh, to prepare our hearts and minds for the Lord's Supper. Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so, little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. Jesus loves me, he who died. Heaven's gates to open wide. He will wash away my sin. Let his little child come in. 
Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. Jesus, take this heart of mine, make it pure and holy thine. On the cross you died for me, I will try to live for thee. Yes, Jesus loves me, yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me, the Bible tells me so. Amen. So Chris is preaching about the story of Abraham and Sarah, and... uh, it seems that it's pretty significant that God made promises. And, of course, I think the the big promise to Abraham is that all nations would be blessed. So we live in the time after the fulfillment of the promise, we are blessed. So I think about... Um, in Paul's letter to the the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, he talks about the Lord's Supper. And I think kind of in the context of that promise that he made, all nations will be blessed. Chapter 10, verses 16 and 17, it says here, Paul says, Is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? And is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one loaf. There are two words in these verses, um, that can be translated different ways. Um, Here in the NIV, the word thanksgiving, the Greek word is eulogia, if I'm pronouncing that right. I'm not a Greek expert. So the word eulogia can be translated either blessing, thanksgiving, or there are other uh, words that it can be translated to, blessing or thanksgiving. And participation is koinonia. Um, And that can be translated either participation or sharing. So if we read this, it's not the cup of thanksgiving or blessing for which we give thanks a participation or sharing in the blood of Christ. And is not the bread that we break a participation or sharing in the body of Christ? Because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one loaf. So we are 
Though we are many, we are the one body, the body of Christ. And that relates to the bread that we're about to partake of. And the cup is the cup of thanksgiving or blessing that we are. So we give, we, this is a time of participation together, sharing together, and realizing the blessing that comes from the fulfillment of God's promise that we would all be blessed. Let's pray for the cup. Our Father in heaven, we do thank you that uh, Jesus did come to this earth. Um, he pray, paid the price for us. And because of him, we, we have his body. We are a member of that body, the church, as we remember his life on earth. And we now share and participate in the body of Christ. Thank you for Jesus and what he did for us. It's in his name. And now for the cup. Father in heaven, thank you uh, for the promise that you made to Abraham. Thank you that you kept your promise and that we are blessed because of what Jesus did for us. And thank you now for this this cup of blessing. Uh, And as we partake, uh, we thank you. We partake it with gratitude and we thank you for what Jesus did for us. And it's in his name. Uh, you can see on the screen that there are ways to give. Uh, we are blessed. God has blessed us abundantly. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, thank you um, for your generosity. Uh, thank you especially uh, for 
sending your son uh, to uh, pay the price for us. And thank you, Father, for the spiritual blessings that we enjoy because of him, um, our hope for eternity. And we also thank you, Father, for the physical blessings and knowing that uh, you care about us and will always provide for us all the things that we need. Thank you again for all that is good. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's go ahead and sing our last song together. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well.
Uh, before my dad comes on up to close us out, I think we have a few announcements. I do just want to say, uh, after Friendship 20, we have uh, classes together. There are classes for kids. There are classes for teens. And there are a few uh, adult classes to choose from. Uh, uh, Amy Rockwell's teaching a class in here on the book of James. Uh, Brian is teaching, I believe, in the, the elders' uh, room over here. Uh, kind of a comparative gospels class. I'm teaching a class upstairs on how to basically how to understand teens and also just be better ministers uh, to our young people. So there's several different options. Again, after Friendship 20, we hope you stick around for our Bible classes. Thank you, Kyle. I think he stole all my thunder. There are a few announcements. We have the uh, church Christmas party. Uh, somebody who was doing announcements would have wore their glasses up here so they could read that. I think that says the 19th. Yeah, so next uh, on the 19th from uh, 6 to 730 in the Fellowship Hall. And the men's sock drive. That is outstanding. The Harley small group is putting together gift bags with sock for the second street center look for new wool blend sock donations please bring socks by sunday december 19th and you can see nelda for details on that uh youth group christmas party friday december the 17th at the church building 6 30 to 9 food games a five dollar gift exchange and please rsvp with kyle uh as kyle mentioned we do have our friendship 20th 